You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right, so here's what I want you to do is um, go ahead. We're going to, just for about 20 minutes, I'm going to talk to you. We're starting a series called um, The Peace of God. Open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, uh, 6 and 7. And before we get started this morning, the Lord kind of put something on my heart um, a, a few days ago. And some of you here um, have been here since I have been the senior pastor of this church, and um, you, you don't know the history of Freedom Christian Fellowship, and so many of you do, and I understand that you do, but I, I want to do something, just felt led of the Lord to do this morning, which is to just honor the foundation of this house, and really specifically honor uh, Pastor Monty and Marla uh, Hanks. Um, just in a, in a nutshell, this church was birthed out of obedience by Marla and Monty over 25 years ago, nearly 25 years ago. Started in their living room of their home on Foster Street and Groves, moved around town, different places through Nederland, um, came here. I remember uh, almost 20 years ago, my wife and I were married in this very place. Um, the carpet wasn't here, the chairs weren't here. But it was the best thing. Pastor Monty married us. He did a great job because we're still together. And uh, he, he, you know, he's like, "You better never." And what I want to do this morning is, I want to just declare a couple of things. Is I, w- I want to declare this that that there is honor, great honor in obedience. And obedience is not easy, and that's what we just heard actually from our missionaries. But obedience is not easy, especially when God asks you to till the ground. And so Marla and Monty were faithful, Pastor Monty and Marla were faithful in obedience to hear the voice of God when the Holy Spirit spoke and said, I desire a seed to be planted in this ground that springs forth in freedom. And they said, yes. And I want to tell you why honor is due and and expected and should be given today for that very thing is because that seed remains. And it sprung forth into beautiful fruit. Much of you here today are a representation, including myself, of that fruit. This church is more than just a church, and it is far more than a position that I will ever hold here. But what it is exceeds family into a place of spiritual authority that Pastor Monty and Marla put into my life as pastors and mentors. And so this morning, all I want to do is this, is I just want to very lovingly and encouragingly And fill with the greatest grace possible, declare the hope that God is moving powerfully in this church. That people remain and continue to be set free in this house because the seed of obedience was planted almost 25 years ago. So will you help me just honor and rejoice and thank that. That beautiful act of obedience. And um, today, just listen, just, just maybe the Lord leads it on you. Just lean over to Marla and hug her neck and tell her thank you. Because if you've eaten from the fruit of this house, it's because of their obedience. 
okay? And let's continue to walk in freedom. Let's continue to run in freedom, amen? Amen? It is a beautiful thing. God is still setting the captives free. God is still setting the captives free. And many of you here know today that you've been a captive. You've been somebody who's bound in something you couldn't get free from. But you know people. You know folks. And listen, you carry the good news of that truth here. And it's because of that. All right. So Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This morning, as we start this series, The Peace of God, I want to talk to you about the position of peace. There is a position of peace. What the Holy Spirit is saying here in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is this, that peace is in Steady supply for God's children. We are expected as sons and daughters of God to live in a place of peace. But if you're anything like me, you don't sometimes. Sometimes you wrestle with that. Sometimes it's a fight to stay in peace. Here's why we can expect to live in peace is because we understand the source of our peace. It comes from God his care for us and His love that He has for us, which is unlimited. And I know you understand this, but here's what I want to tell you that you might not understand about this very powerful principle and this truth, is that in order for this peace to be take effect in your life, you must agree with it. You must be in the position of peace for the spirit of peace to rest on you. And what the Holy Spirit does through Paul in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is, I believe, gives us a key, a couple of keys to help us understand the position of peace. So I want to just talk to you for a few minutes about that. And I want to pray, listen, that your hearts and your minds will be open to receive this because some of you this morning, what you are crying out for, what you need the very most in your life right now is a sense, a true sense of true peace. And it's God's heart as your loving Father to give you that, to let that be a revelation that guides your life. So here's the thing. Why do we struggle to stay in the peace of God? Why do we struggle to stay in the peace of God? Why is there any kind of fight at all? Well, Jesus actually talks about this in Matthew 6, 27 through 34. I want you to see this really quick. Jesus says, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Jesus presents this beautiful question, and it's a question that strikes right to the core of the idea of peace and worry. And he says, listen, what are you adding to your life? What are you gaining or or putting into your life by worrying? How many of you have done any good in your life by worrying? None of you have. Jesus said it himself. It doesn't do anything to help your cause. You staying up at night, you biting your fingernails, you pulling out your hair, you calling a thousand people is not doing any good. It's not doing any good. He goes on and says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? 
So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each, tr- each day has enough trouble on its own. Jesus summarizes this and says, listen, you don't need to worry. Life comes naturally built in with worry. Don't worry. Trust. And here's, what's ha- here's what happens when we struggle being in the position of peace and why we worry. Worry is really a trust problem. It's a trust problem. And learning to trust is difficult for us as human beings. We struggle with trust. We become people that are self-reliant. You guys just saw my oldest daughter is graduating from high school. In a few months, we're shipping her off to U of H. She's going to go live on a campus. She's already made a roommate friend. And it's, it's great. And so we're like, but we're realizing, hey, you're going to have to do all these things on your own. All by yourself, you're going to be. And so and, and we go and we're like, we've got to put these things in or we've got to teach her. And, and isn't this the progression we all face as coming into adulthood? Think about it, adults. Is that someplace down the line, somebody told you, you're going to have to do this yourself. You're going to have to learn to stand on your own two feet. It's time to be a man, all right? Whatever it is. But see, we've taken that too far. There's a place of responsibility that exceeds responsibility becoming past independence to isolation. And what isolation allows us to get trapped into is the lie that we can only trust ourselves. And so Jesus in this passage in Matthew is looking at it and saying, how many of you by worrying, by putting trust in your own ability, has actually done anything to help the situation that you're in? None of us. And the reason why it's difficult for us to trust is because at the core of it, don't look at me right now, we all have control issues. You're all looking at me. Because when we get trapped in the lie that we can only trust ourselves, what happens is that what we're saying in actuality is that we want to control the situation. If I want it done right, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to make it happen. But the problem with us trying to control our life is that what immediately happens is that we slip out of faith and we can't fix anything and we begin to worry. Where it starts as a trust problem, becomes a control issue, and then becomes full-blown worry. Jesus says there's a better way. And the better way is this, to trust Him. To trust Him. To look fully in His face and begin to trust Him. To take your hands off of your life, off of the cares of your life. There, there are two places, there's a few places in the New Testament But Jesus specifically talks about, addresses the cares, the worries, the practical things of your life that he says, I know they bother you. I know that they're tough, but I want you to let me control them. But in order to trust God, what we have to do is that we've got to begin to cultivate an intimacy that says, God, we trust your word to be pure. Because if trust is a problem for us, then what we have to say is, God, when your word speaks, 
I believe your word. Your word is pure. Every person in your life may have lied to you and let you down. God has never lied to you. He will never let you down. Every word he has spoken, every word he has given is pure and is true. We've got to begin to not just go there, but we've got to begin to trust his character. To understand that he is the good father, that his love for us is endless. So let's look here at the position of peace. When we look back at Philippians 4, 7, really, really quick here. Let me read this to you one more time. I want to pull out three words. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's three specific things that the Scripture gives us here that the Holy Spirit is bringing to our attention that must be established in order for the position of peace to be secure inside of us. And the first one, the most important one, is that the peace of God must be seated in your heart. The peace of God must be seated in your heart. Let me explain this. This word hearts means this is a very special word. It's the center in the seat of your spiritual life. It is the center and the seat of your spiritual life. It's the fountainhead from which all your passions and thoughts and desires and appetites, affections, purposes, endeavors come from. When you came and you became a son or daughter of God, the part of you that was created in the image of God is this place called the hearts. It's your spirit. But I want you to see a couple of important things here about this and why this is significant for peace to be established and settled here. When we read Romans 8, when we go back and we understand that God moves us from a place of slavery to uh, sonship, daughtership, that God's intent was never to put us and allow us to live as slaves, but to bring us in as sons and daughters. And He brings us in through the spirit of adoption, and we turn around and our hearts are made alive to the truth. We have a different perspective of who God is. We're not intimidated by God. We're not fearful of God. We're not afraid to enter His presence. But instead, Romans 8 says this beautiful, powerful language that we begin to look at God and we cry out with intimacy, Daddy, God. But it goes on and says this, that whoever are sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. And this place is the place God desires to lead you. So it makes sense that peace, the peace of God, has to first be established in your spirit, in your heart. What's also beautiful about this word is that this is also the place of fulfillment in your life. This is the place of fulfillment. Some of us believe that God is a cosmic buzzkill. He's constantly trying to lead us in places of no fun. But there isn't, some, there isn't a lie that's further from the truth. Because when, what you find is when you allow the peace of God to be settled in your heart is this, is that the source of the fulfillment of your life is realized. Why? Because that is the place, the fountainhead for the, your fulfillment, your desires, your appetites, your endeavors, the things that have been purposed and called in your life, the things that God has ordained from the foundation of time. It is the fulfillment of your life, where it comes from. 
So the peace of God has to be settled there first. And this is why Philippians 4, 7 says this, that it's going to guard your hearts. It's going to guard that place from which the wellspring of life blows up out of you. So that when God calls you into the bigness of the the jungles of the Amazon, you go, yes! When God calls you to take a big step of reconciliation, you go, yes! When God calls you to take a step up and to step out into a new job opportunity, you go, yes! Why? Because the peace of God is resting in your heart and you are walking in the fulfillment of what you were created to be. The second thing that happens here is this. That God says not only is the peace of God going to guard your heart, but it's also going to guard your mind. And the second position of peace is that the peace of God must rest in your mind. It must be settled in your thinking. This word minds means this. It's the part of you that thinks and sets purpose. Here's why this is significant to peace. Have you ever noticed that when you are worrying, your mind never shuts down? When you worry, you toss around at night in your bed. I promise you do. When you worry, you are constantly thinking. When you worry, and in a place of worry, what's happening is you can hold, look somebody in the eyes and have a conversation, and you're totally disconnected. Because your mind is somewhere else. And God created us as a multi-layered person, a being. But he created us first and foremost to be led by the Spirit. Why? Because the mind that is not led by the Spirit is going to constantly think for a purpose to fix a problem that it cannot fix. It's like somebody walking around knocking on every door looking for a solution and there's no solution in sight. So God's remedy is this. He says, listen, let the peace of God positionally be settled and established in your heart first that you understand who I am and that rests on you so that it will also in turn guard your mind so that you're not going to think things and purpose things that are ridiculous, or endless, or in a a pursuit that never ends, but you're going to begin to have the wisdom of God, carry the wisdom of God into your decisions. I remember something very beautiful about Pastor Monty that I, I love is this, is he taught me this, is he taught me to be led by peace. Here's what he was saying. He was saying, Andy, this is what you need to know is that when you are making a decision, you're thinking, should I go right or should I go left? If your spirit is connected and peace is resting on your heart, the decision you think about will give you peace. When you think on it, when your mind thinks on it, it will bring peace. Why? Because your mind is being led by the spirit, not your mind leading your spirit. Does that make sense to you? I really hope it does. Because this is the key that we have to being able to have the peace of God inside of us. We have to spend time cultivating that peace, letting it rest on our hearts, understanding the character of God, spending the time. See, let me, let me, 
let me pause. Just pause, all right? Let me just get real with this. When we come into this revelation, it gives a different context to why we gather. Because when we gather in the presence of God, something beautiful is happening. When we are connecting into, connecting into corporately the presence of God. And the reflection of who God is is being born on our spirit. It is coming alive on our spirit, and we are being reminded of that truth. We are being led by the Spirit. That's why we don't need to just do this on Sundays or midweek or small groups, but we need to cultivate that every day. When you get into the Word of God, because the Word declares of itself that it is alive and active, you should have the expectation of an encounter. And when you do, you are being led by the Spirit. You're not just reading words. You're cultivating intimacy that acknowledges who you are and allows the peace of God to rest in your heart. All right. This is how God designed us, that our minds would be led by the Spirit. This is the wisdom of God. The third place, the third piece of the puzzle for the position of peace is this, is allowing God to establish our perception. Justin, come on up, bud. Final word I want to look at in Philippians 4, 7 is this, is the word understandings. Understanding. This is the part of us that perceives. This is the part, part of us that sits in the place of judging, feeling, and determining. We're judging, we're feeling, and we're determining. You're understanding a part of from being led by the Spirit is going to be influenced. Your perception is going to be influenced by your experiences. So let me tell you what that means. The peace of God does not rest in your heart. Does not rest on your heart. Your experiences will guide your perception. If you have had something happen that's allowed you to be a victim, that's hurt you, that you've struggled with, then your perception is going to be tainted by that. But here's what the Scripture says in Philippians 4-7. The peace of God that transcends your understanding. See, God wants to override your perception out of your experiences into the place of what it means to be led as a son and daughter. See, because when the peace of God rests in our spirit and our mind is led by the peace of God, our perception changes from our experiences to hope. You're going to begin to perceive the things around you filled with the hope of God. You're going to begin to perceive your future filled with the hope of God. You're going to begin to perceive your relationships filled with the hope of God. You're going to begin to perceive your future filled with the hope of God. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. This is what the Holy Spirit does. So Paul says it like this. Putting that into practice takes this. Philippians 4, 6. 
Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The first thing that we have to do is that we've got to cultivate that intimacy. We've got to learn to trust God. This morning, if you're here and you're struggling with worry, can I just invite you to let go? Can I invite you to open up your, your, your concern and your cares, take it to the Father, to learn to trust Him, to cultivate a place of intimacy where you're letting the cares of your heart and you're saying, God, I'm, I'm giving this to you. You've asked me to. You've asked me to cast my cares upon you because you care for me. You love me. You love the things that are heavy on me. That's what that means. Because I know who you are, I trust you. And I'm giving you these things. I'm not picking them back up. I'm letting them go. I'm giving you these things. I've told people this before and they say, you know what, I've done that. I've tried that. And it seems like it doesn't work. And the reality is that sometimes you've got to do that more than once, don't you? Sometimes you have a concern that you've been so good about worrying about that you got to keep going to the Father and saying, I'm giving this to you, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking away this time. And you might take three steps away from it and turn back around. The next time you say, no, God, your word commands me to trust you. I'm, I'm letting you have it. Take five steps. Because before too long, you're going to look into the eyes of the loving Father as you encounter His presence, and you're going to say, I know that I can trust you because you've never let me down. You're true. Your words are true. We've got to learn to trust Him. Then we have to be able to let those burdens go. We make the exchange. We give Him our burdens and we take His peace. And this morning, some of you, it starts with a very powerful but simple confession that says, God, you promised this in Your Word and so I trust You. Here's my concerns and my burdens and I'm giving them to You, but God, You've asked me to take Your peace. And your confession goes like this. Holy Spirit, thank you right now for your peace that exceeds and goes past my understanding and guards my heart and my thinking in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for your peace. I'm taking that peace on me. I'm receiving that peace now because as the loving Father, this is what you've promised. Moms, dads, how many of you out there being good-natured parents have ever promised something to your kids and failed to deliver? Most of us won't. Every time we promise something, we'll do it. I've gotten up at, at midnight because I forgot to do something I said I'd do and gone and done it for my children. Any parents identify with that? Late-night Walmart trip, what are you doing? Getting cookies because I promised I'd get cookies. Can I tell you something? In love, is that God gives us a parallel between that idea and the reality of the love of the Father, God the Father, and says, our desire to please our children is like funky. It's terrible. It's awful compared to God's, the Father's love for you. He does not fail. And so when He promises peace, He's not just doing this. You're not just keeping your fingers crossed and going, I hope this works this time. No, you're, you're coming with a place of confidence that says, I am putting my faith on a true word 
and the faithfulness of the one who's promised it. So, God, thank you for your peace. I'm taking that peace on. And you might have to walk around for a day or two and say, I'm carrying the peace of God. Worry tries to pop up. I am carrying the peace of God. I am carrying the peace of God. The peace of God rules in my heart and rules in my mind. The peace of God rules in my heart and rules in my mind. I don't have to worry about this. I do not have to carry this. God promised he would take care of me. As we do that, we stay in the position of peace. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for just a wonderful day. Holy Spirit, you've encouraged us in so many ways. We thank you for our graduates who are moving on to a beautiful, wonderful stage of their life. Lord, we thank you and declare over them that they are world changers. God, that you have shot them out of your bow like an arrow, directed to the places that you've called them to make an an epic impact. Lord, we thank you for the boldness of the Holy Spirit resting on them. We thank you that they hear your voice, that they're led by the good shepherd, that their mouths are filled with the truth of your prophetic word. Father, we thank you for the Bostics, God. We're just excited to be partnered in this larger thing called the body of Christ. Lord, we pray your blessing upon them, God. We know that you are. Lord, we thank you for this little one, Father God, that Jen's having, Lord. And we just declare, Lord, that you spoke that in the mother's womb, you knew and you foreordained and you chose and you called. And so, Lord, that little one being set apart, called by your name, called by your glory, established for the things that you have preordained for that child. Father, we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Let a mighty prophetic voice rest in that child, Father God. Father, we thank you for your peace. Lord, there's people here, Father, that desire and need your peace. You're the loving and the good and the true Father. And just right where you are right now, if that's you, I just want you to make a confession before the Lord and say, God, I need your peace, but I'm positioning myself. Holy Spirit, come and let the revelation of the goodness of the Father overwhelm my heart. Let it fill my heart. Let the love of the Father begin to fill my heart. Let peace be established in my spirit. I am a son. I am a daughter of God. If you've not yet made the decision to follow Jesus, make it right now. Say, Jesus, I trust you. The sacrifice you made at Calvary's cross. And you allowed your body to be broken. Your blood to be shed is sufficient to cover my sins. Jesus, I choose you. I receive you as my master. As your sons and daughters. Lord, we stay in that position of peace and we thank you for that. Lord, we choose to agree with your word. We stand on your word and we allow our minds to be led by the Spirit of God in us so that our thinking is lined up with the wisdom of God. And Father, I thank you that the understanding that we have is filled with hope because our hearts are made alive to this truth. Lord, let our confession be established. Let our cares be cast firmly upon you and let us take on the peace that you've promised, good Father. Lord, thank you, Father God, for this house. Lord, thank you, Father, for the depth of this house, the seeds that have been planted in this house, the faithfulness and the obedience of our founders. Lord, continue, Father God, to let the captives be set free in this house. Draw them in by your spirit from the north, the south, the east, and the west, we pray, Lord, that they would be touched and have a true encounter with the one, the only one who can bring freedom. That's you, Jesus. 
We love you and we honor you. Amen. Amen.